It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Thunder Chats to talk about the NBA draft from a fan perspective. What should the Thunder do? Come draft night on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, we're joined by superfan podcast host of Topic Thunder, Thunder Chats, to discuss the 2023 NBA Draft. Who are some favorite prospects, some least favorite prospects, what He's seen running his Thunder account, which almost everyone follows uh, at Thunder Chats on Twitter. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. You know, always, always, you know, it's an exciting time of year to talk draft, but always excited to talk Thunder basketball. Always exciting to talk to Ryan with style. So, uh, you know, excited to be here, man. Excited to have you on. We always do a home and home for the draft, and we're doing it yet again today. Let's start yes, with this. As someone who gets a ton of uh, engagement from fans on Twitter. What has been, in your opinion, the most common name that you've heard that fans would like in the NBA draft? Man, that's tough. I mean, I, you know, there was, it's kind of come in phases because, you know, like kind of at the beginning of the cycle, like immediately after the playoffs and we kind of realized that we was going to have a higher chance at a lower pick. A lot of people were saying Anthony Black to the Thunder, which I'm sure we'll get into that later, kind of looking at the rundown. Like, I, I, he's not my favorite guy. Um, Grady Dick is a guy that I know you like, you know, the shooting, like, obvious fit. Um, kind of getting into, like, higher prospects. The guy that I've seen the most, and this is kind of universal, is Jairus Walker out of Houston, um, just because he kind of fits the the need for both fans. You got the fans that want to see Presti continue this build of guys that, uh, multiple guys that can dribble past shoot, make quick decisions with the basketball, and he kind of fits that build. And he also has the mold where he's a bigger guy. He's one of the most physical defenders in the draft. He's a good rebounder. Um, you know, he's a little bit undersized for the power forward position. I think he ended up measuring like six seven uh, in shoes um, at the combine. So smaller than what like you know the eye test would say. But you know, in terms of like his fit next to Chet, the physicality, the defensive versatility that he would provide. And, you know, just the toughness he provides, I, I, I see a lot of fans gravitating to him just because he's kind of best of both worlds. So you are a Thunder super fan, but also a Kentucky super fan. Yeah. What is the breakdown on Kaysan Wallace? <clears throat> Man, I, I love Kaysan to death. Like, and, you know, I said him last night whenever we recorded our last episode, even if he wasn't a Kentucky player, like, I know people rolling their eyes about this, but I would still love Kaysan Wallace just because I value defense in a player and, if there's a guy that wants to play defense, 
that wants to guard you 94 feet and wants to get all up in your jersey and like make it his mission to shut you down. It is Casey Wallace in this draft. And just uh, <clears throat> what he was able to do at Kentucky on the defensive end, like, goes without saying like you know taking the toughest matchup night by night as some of the quickest hands in the draft as evidenced by like his game against michigan state like second or third game of the season at eight steals like that that doesn't happen a lot in college basketball and he's a sneaky shot blocker for his position and for his size um and you know his length kind of like shea does also like you know his plus wingspan i think it's like a 610 wingspan definitely helps with that but offensively what we was able to see from him you know, he had a he started off the season shooting really well, but kind of went out with injuries and the shooting went off a cliff for a little bit. Um, but in terms of the finishing, in terms of the different roles he played, because he started the year playing off ball and then he transitioned to on ball role uh, late in the year and the creativity that he started to show in the pick and roll. He started to get more comfortable initiating and running the offense late in the season and doing so with Oscar Sheway parked in the lane. 24-7 and absolutely no shooting to speak of besides Antonio Reeves making five or zero threes, no in between. Um, I was really impressed with what Kaysen could do. And, you know, in terms of prospect wise, you've seen time and time again, Shea, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray, like the list goes on and on and on about Kentucky guards that had more to show than what they showed in their one year in college uh, once they got to the league. So, you know, it, it, it kind of becomes a thing like, you know, you already see these tangible tools that can add to a winning team, and there might be more under the hood. Yeah, and, and NBA teams like him. I've heard that he's going to go in the top ten. We'll see if that happens on draft night. Yep. But as a Kentucky fan, is, is there is there anything that you've noticed or similarities between? You just rattled off all these guards that were a little bit undersold at Kentucky that end up having a much better NBA career. Is there any like similarities between their games of like why they they don't show everything at Kentucky? Uh, just something I've noticed with Cal is he puts you like, he doesn't put you in an uncomfortable position. He just really wants you to work on things that a, you're going to like be doing in the league, but like B that like your weakness, like he really wants you to work on your weakness to, you know, become a more complete prospect because a lot of the things you see guys going into the league, like Devin Booker, like he was the scorer, like you watched high school tape, like he was that scorer in high school. But when he came to Kentucky, you know, forget being pigeonholed into a platoon system. Like he was kind of delegated as a, you know, three point spot up shooter. And he was very deadly in that role. And, you know, he was able to be drafted in the lottery by that, but he had so much left in the tank that he wasn't able to showcase because of the teammates around him. Now it's not so much the case with case in this year, or even in years past, I'm, as a Kansas fan, I'm sure you understand, um, you know, playing against us that, you know, there's not so much talent to speak of that, um, you know, they're having to pull back the reins so everybody else can eat. It's just a, you know, kind of thing like, you know, this is what Cal has been doing since he's got to Kentucky. Uh, Bam Adebayo has talked about it. Like, you know, I wasn't able to play make. I wasn't able to, you know, kind of be as versatile on the defensive end as I am in the league that I was at Kentucky because Cal really wanted me to just work on being a big man, like rebound, you know, finish around the basket, catch lobs, you know, play defense inside. And, you know, I, you know, it, like I said, you can't say it's going to happen to every prospect that comes out of Kentucky because, you know, you do have B.J. Boston, you have, you know, Ty Ty Washington who have had flashes for sure, but, you know, it's it's not an exact science. So in this draft class, everyone's going to gravitate toward their favorites and, and, and their top guys. I, I am enamored by the big three of, like, if the Thunder would trade up and get Taylor Hendricks, Trace Walker, mm-hmm. Brady Dick at 12, big Leonard Miller fan, Globale, also uh, the, the riser now. 
who are some of your favorite prospects in this draft at pick 12 and in that range? Yeah, I mean, if I was going to highlight like my four favorites in the lottery, and I, I think it was around March or April, uh, somebody had tweeted out like, claim your four favorites now. I'm like, you had to like post four pictures of them. My four people were Taylor Hendricks, the aforementioned Casey Wallace, Osor Thompson, and Balak Labali, even then. And I would say, I mean, Taylor Hendricks, his fit goes without saying, man. I mean, three point shooting, like a 40% three point shooter at the, at, you know, six foot nine height. Uh, defensively, just like an absolute monster, uh, has the upside to be like a legitimate, like terror uh, perimeter defender. But as we've seen already, he's a force in terms of like his shot blocking and rim protecting and help side uh, defense. And just imagining him and Chet Holmgren, like, you know, walking down the, paint is just like has me salivating so i really like that i think that you know him and chet offer a lot of the same things in terms of strength wise offensively and defensively that you know we've kind of been lacking this year at the four or five position so uh, i would really love that uh fit we already kind of talked about case and i I won't speak too much more about him Osborne thompson i think that you know the way this draft is kind of shaking out after really the third spot, like everybody has legitimate flaws. Like, you know, they're really tantalizing prospects, but they're flawed. So at that point, you know, say Hendricks is gone, Walker's gone, Whitmore's gone, Dick's gone, all these people, like Kaysen's gone, and you get to 12, and, you know, you're sitting there, and Oswald Thompson's gone because, you know, people are worried about the jump shot. They don't think that he's as good of a playmaker as his brother. All these things that, you know, cause him to fall. I would like the Thunder to take a shot at him because, A, the potential, like the upside is insane. Again, kind of like Taylor Hendricks, I think defensively he could be a demon on the defensive end, just his instincts, his quickness, um, and like his his want to. Like he's got – like he's legitimately got that dog in him um, on the defensive end. And offensively, you know, I, I think Amin obviously flares with the ball in his hands, but Azor played more off ball, and I think that he could really fit alongside our playmakers and Shea, Giddy. Jalen Williams, because I think that's one of his biggest strengths is his slashing and his cutting. And he's really smart at it. He's And he makes really sharp cuts. And obviously his athleticism, everybody knows about, like he's one of the most explosive athletes in the draft, one of the most explosive athletes we've evaluated in like the last five years. So, um, you know, I just imagine him like going back door off of a cut and Giddy just slaying the pass to him. He's just exploding in the lane. Like, yeah, I, I love that. And I think shooting wise, I think that he's a little bit ahead of his brother. His shot's not broken, and we got Chip England. And I know I talked a lot, but, I mean, I just got to say, Ball Koulibaly, like, he's my guy. Like, hashtag Koulibaly crew, hashtag Koulibaly. Like, all the corny catchphrase Koulibaly things, that's me, man. Like, I I had highlighted him early in March when he was a second-round prospect, and he's just kind of jumped up. Um, you know, as we keep going on, he's playing in the playoffs right now. And something that Nathan Grubel, draft deeper, no ceiling, said on my podcast yesterday – what is most interesting, most telling is they're relating this 18 year old kid, you know, who came in halfway through the year on this playoff team, second best team in this French league in the playoffs. And they're starting to give him pick and roll ball handling reps. Like, you know, that that's something they're just throwing at him in the playoffs. Like, you know, he kind of played strictly off ball, you know, throughout the season and they're letting him try stuff in the playoffs. And not only that, it's working. Like, you know, his game yesterday was one of the best games I've seen from him. On both sides of the ball, defensively, he's just a black hole. He's below consuming, uh, as they say. And yeah, offensively, you know, much like Amon, his slashing, his cutting's great. But he's starting to show a lot of flashes of what he could do with the ball in his hands. He's still very raw. He's still very young. But I've seen a lot of uh, growth and upside 
in that aspect of this game. Coming up, should the Thunder trade up in this draft? Who are our least favorite prospects at pick 12? And moving forward with the rest of the draft class. But first, I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at Game Time. Game Time is incredible. It's where you want to be if you're buying tickets to your favorite events because it shouldn't be stressful. And it's not at Game Time because Game Time is there. It is fast and easy to use to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater, everything near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets for the best prices guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the tickets and just get hyped over the fun you're going to have at these events with flash deals, last-minute tickets. It's easy to find your tickets. They go right into your phone. It's great. And every event in your area is on game time. You get an image from your seat. You even get event cancellation protection, last-minute prices guaranteed. And if you somehow find a better deal, well, well, game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so go there right now download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms and conditions apply again you create your account you redeem the code locked on nba and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase when you download the game time app today the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're dashing our way to the draft, the podcast every day with player profiles and interviews today, talking to Thunder Chats of the Topic Thunder podcast, and of course, his Twitter account at Thunder Chats on Twitter. Uh, so let's move into our least favorite prospects at pick 12. I'm, I'm interested to see if we have any of the same uh, same names. Yeah, man, uh, there, there's there's a few there. Um, you know, I mentioned Anthony Black earlier, uh, and I think that a lot of the draft guys that we've had on, you know, they've mentioned like how much they love Black as a prospect. And I do think that Black is a guy that can, succeed in this league with the tools that he has and the playmaking, um, the basketball IQ, the field, and the defense. Like, I think all of that translates. But what that feels like to me is a less talented Josh Giddy kind of. So it's like a little redundant. Obviously, the defense is a plus. Like, you know, he's he's ahead of Giddy as a defender. But I think Giddy showed strides in his defense. Like, you know, just like playing physical, kind of knowing where to be. Uh, you know, still got to work it a little bit on the foot speed. But, you know, offensively, I mean, he dropped 31, 10, and 9 in a in his first playing game at, you know, 19, 20 years old. So, like, I mean, you know, I, I would – let's roll with that guy instead of Anthony Black and kind of muddying up the waters with him. Um, uh, other than him, uh, we got uh, Ray and Repair out of New Zealand. I mean, I don't hate Repair. I mean, I, I, I see the intrigue and I see, you know, a lot of the same connections – that fans are making. I've made the same connections last year with Uzma Jang when I said the Thunder should draft Uzma Jang. Um, but I feel like he's kind of really similar to Uzman Jang. And I don't like he's shorter than Uzman Jang. Uh, I think he has less creation ability than Uzman Jang. Sure, defensively, he's a dog. Like I'll give you that. Like, he's a physical defender 100%. And we've seen Uz struggle a little bit with aggressiveness. But we saw legitimate flashes out of Uzman Jang that – you know, he's going to have like a good NBA career. He's got a lot of upside um, in terms of creating with the ball, 
um, his three-point shooting and defensively. Like he had some like legitimate flashes of on-ball defense and off-ball. I think that he's he's kind of there now. Like I thought he was really good off-ball defender. So again, kind of redundancy there. And then another guy that uh, I was thinking about, I I don't remember who else I had, but this guy for sure, Nick Smith Jr. Uh, out of Arkansas. Like I, I get the idea of him and I get that, you know, if you have a high volume shooter, a guy that can hit shots off movement, a guy that can, you know, just straight up give you buckets off the bench, like that's appealing, but we kind of have that already with Trey Mann. And I, you know, obviously Trey Mann's kind of going through struggles, but we saw year one Trey Mann and, you know, we're desperately trying to get back to year one Trey Mann. But I feel like, again, that kind of muddies the waters of Trey Mann. I think that, you know, there's other combo guards that provide something different than Nick Smith Jr. and Trey Mann. If you're going to bring somebody in to kind of compete for that six-man position with Trey Mann, like Kaysen gives you defense. I think Keontae George is a better movement shooter uh, than the both of them. You know, just like, you know, small examples on, in that front. But I, I don't know, man, like uh, Nick Smith Jr. is like his frame um, and, you know, just the uh, the issues that he kind of – faced even coming back from injury last year you know you know kind of getting delegated to the bench on a competitive team like you know that I, I have more questions than i do answers with nick smith jr so I'd, I'd rather just stray away from that guy too yeah and obviously whoever the thunder draft people including us are going to talk ourselves into it oh yeah but i it's going to be a while before i can talk myself into repair i just i don't yeah. see it with them i don't i mean yes he's a really good defender which is great he's not at all a factor at all on offense. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't see how he's ever going to be a factor on offense. I, I don't even see upside to, for him to become a good offensive player in the NBA. So uh, defensive specialist, a pick 12 uh, is not exactly appetizing. Even a guy like Nick Smith jr. Uh, he, he being so young, you talk yourself into his high school's tape and everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that like he immediately filled a shooting need. He's I think the, second or third best shooter in this draft class. But I think he's more so the specialist shooter that people try to predict Grady Dick to be. I think he's even more one-dimensional than what Grady Dick is. I think the Grady Dick does not get enough credit for uh, just how much he brings to the table besides just his shooting. So he'd be another one to me. But but really, the, the only realistic name at 12 that I could see the Thunder taking him realistically, and I just wouldn't like it, would be repair. It, it would be very mm -hmm. a, a very tough sell for me on, on repair. There is another name that I remember now. I'm sorry. I, like, I just came on here to spew some hate. But uh, Gigi Jackson, uh, you know, I, I know Rafael Barlow was on your pod and kind of talked about, uh, you know, Chris Paul was lobbying uh, Sam Presti to maybe take Gigi Jackson. I just want to remind everybody that Chris Paul is a member of the Phoenix Suns now. So, you know, this could be a competitive advantage in Chris Paul's camp. But no, all jokes aside, uh, I just think that he's extremely young. Obviously, he showed some cases of immaturity. Uh, makes terrible de terrible decisions with the basketball in his hands and has just some of the worst shot selection that I've seen, like, in a prospect. So uh, I think that it would behoove Gigi Jackson. It would have behooved Gigi Jackson to go back for another year at South Carolina or even enter the transfer portal and go somewhere else with, like, a better system. But obviously he's not. Uh, I, I, I think that a culture like the Thunder would be good for him. Like, I agree with Rafael Barlow on that point that, you know, the Thunder would be good for him. But – I don't necessarily think that Gigi Jackson would be good for the Thunder. Yeah, I think with Gigi, it would be a special case where mm. um, if you traded back into the first round to draft him, yeah. you kept 12, and then you got another one in the first round, and you could practically just treat this as a total redshirt year, given that we know the development that they've and investment that they've put into 
the G League with Oklahoma City Blue and just kind of stash him there for a year, give him some minutes in the NBA. But overall, uh, he's mainly a blue player for a year, and you kind of work some of that bad habits out of there. Uh, that, that'd be fine. But at pick 12, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be the best value on the board, I don't think, at mm-hmm. pick 12, because uh, you would really be slow playing it uh, moving forward. But should the Thunder move up from pick 12 in your opinion, or is there enough value at pick 12 where it's not worth the, the extra assets you would need to move up in the draft? I mean, I would just say the answer to your questions is yes, just in general. I I think there's a lot of value to be had at pick 12. I think that this is a pretty deep draft class, like, you know, pretty much anywhere in the lottery I'd be happy with, but yeah, I I think that, you know, given what we know about the draft class for next year, and how weak it's supposed to be and how many picks, how much draft capital we're going to have in that draft. Uh, I think that it would make a lot of sense for us to try to, you know, package some of that capital to move up in this draft to go, go grab a guy like Darius Walker, Taylor Hendricks. Um, even Cam Whitmore is a guy that, you know, I, a lot of fans are kind of, you know, poo-pooing that idea just because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of playmaking or like decision-making with the basketball or anything like that. But, you know, I would argue that, you know, maybe Presti has, you know, filled the cover with these playmakers. And eventually like, you know, you can't pass the ball for 24 seconds. Like eventually somebody has got to shoot that thing. So I think that, you know, it would be nice to have a play finisher like Cam Whitmore, a guy that catch and shoot, catch and go. Like I think that he would fit great in the offense. And then defensively, you know, he's shown upside to be a strong physical defender that, you know, can really lock in, um, you know, as like a small ball forward guards, a little guard, a little bit threes, give you a little bit defensive versatility. But yeah, I, I absolutely think like, home run, like, you know, full disclosure, I have Taylor Hendricks over Jairus Walker just because, like, you know, the fit is just seamless, like 100%. Jairus, like, I would be very excited about, you know, if that's who we decided to trade up for. But I I definitely think, like, you know, fans get it twisted because I'm I'm posting the Bilal Koulibaly propaganda every chance I can get because, you know, people don't realize he's one of the only prospects still playing real basketball at this time. So, obviously, we're going to be posting about what he's been doing, but – just because I'm posting so much about that, like first and foremost, I want to trade up. I want to trade up and get one of those guys that, you know, slide in perfectly to that four spot, you know, kind of be that three, four position that we need so desperately bad. It'll be interesting to see. And I think that Cam Whitmore, as you said, I mean, eventually the the archetype and the thing that you're looking for is going to change. Like Sam mm-hmm. Preston is eventually going to change. Is it going to be? you know, in two weeks, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it could be in two years, could be in three years, whatever, but eventually it'll change. And so uh, if that changes this, this year, that'd be interesting about Cam Whitmore. I think that Cam Whitmore is another example of uh, on draft night, you might see some mixed opinions mm-hmm. the night after Friday night, after the draft's over, right before <laughs> the introductory press conference, oh, yeah. people are going to be going on YouTube. They're going to find his high school tape <laughs> and his high, I'll be honest the with you, FIBA school, tape too, man. Yeah. His, his everything pre-college, is why I have in the top five right now and on my big board is because he's just so talented before he got to Villanova and it was just a weird fit at Villanova. So mm-hmm. we are, I think that if the Thunder did trade up for him, they'd obviously think that they can tap back into that with their system and their um, ability to develop. So yeah, I think that he would be a name that on draft night might uh, be like, oh, you trade up for him and not Walker or Hendricks or, or Grady Dick or whoever we've been hyping up and, and mm-hmm. people would then have to take a step back and say, whoa, hold on a second. This guy's actually really, really good. Uh, coming up, we've talked favorites. We've talked least favorites. Who are the who is the most realistic option at pick twelve? If they don't move up, and some second round sleepers. But first, once here right now, we're good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. PrizePicks.com, Prize Picks app. Go there. Use the code Locked On. 
you get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. And when you go there, it just makes watching games more entertaining. Taking, for example, the NBA finals, you can go and you can bet on game three of the NBA finals say, well, will Jokic score more or less than 22 and a half points or Jimmy Butler dish out more or less than, than five and a half assists. If you're right, you can win 25 times your money on any entry. You pick two to six players and bada bing, bada boom. You're playing prize picks and having a lot of fun doing it. They also have MLB, NFL. They have every sport you can imagine, including the WNBA going on right now. So check it out today. Prizepicks.com, prize picks app, uh, promo code locked on, 100% deposit match up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Thunder Chats, we've talked all about the 12th overall pick. To put a bow on that, who do you think is the most realistic target to walk away with if the board is just status quo and the Thunder pick at pick 12 come draft night? See, I think there's a couple ways to look at that. I, I think that, you know, if I was answering in my heart of hearts, like I'm going to say Bilal Kulabali, but I've talked a lot about him, so I'm going to give you somebody different. I think that if you were going based off how the boards look and, you know, if it's just like going as chalk as could be, um, I, I would say <laughs> say probably Kaysen as well, but I'm not going to talk about him. Uh, I, I'll go with Kobe Bufkin, uh, who gives you a little bit of, you know, what Kaysen does defensively, albeit less physical, you know, less of a wingspan. Um, but he's kind of an all-around prospect. He gives you a lot of everything. He gives you some shooting, gives you some playmaking, some ball handling. And, you know, he was kind of thrust into the um, lead ball handler role late in the Michigan season. And, you know, definitely, you know, had some uncomfortable spots, but he flashed a lot of really impressive passes. I think it was actually Richard Staven Mavsdraft who posted kind of like his passing highlights early in the year. And I was like, whoa, like he's, He's got some legit juice as like, you know, as a playmaker. So uh, I, I like the idea of Kobe Bufkin, you know, if he was to fall to us, Keontae George is another guy I kind of mentioned just again, the shooting. Um, I think that he's a guy that you can bring in to compete with Trey man for that kind of sick man spot. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the shooting is one thing, but like just the scoring in general, like, you know, he's a microwave scorer. He's a guy that can get hot in a hurry. Uh, he can do it for the mid range. He's a strong finisher. Like that, I think that's really what separates him from Trey Mann is just how stout he is. Uh, I think he lost a little bit of weight after the season, but I mean, that's just lent to his explosiveness. You know, we've already seen how explosive an athlete he could be. And I think that he's been a slap on a little bit on defense. Uh, I, you know, this Baylor team was kind of a mess uh, this year as opposed to years past. So, you know, much like Cam Whitmore Villanova, I don't think we got to see the full game at what Keontae George could be. And I think that, you know, he's refocused. He went through a little bit of injuries. He's healthy. Uh, I, I would love to see the Thunder take a swing on him. But if you're asking me the most realistic scenario, Rylan, the most realistic is Sam Presti surprises everybody with a pick that nobody's talking about with a player that people probably think that we're reaching for at 12. So I'm going to say Sam Presti reaches for Dariq Whitehead. And I, I say that because he's one of the youngest players in the draft. So he's got a lot of upside last year. Um, you know, obviously he suffered an injury preseason. He was able to work his way back into the, to the rotation midseason after, you know, roles that had already been set. And 
the way he was able to work his way back in, not only work his way back in, but to shoot 40% from three for the rest of the season on like limited role, limited, limited touches. Like, I mean, that, that says something to me. And obviously the shooting would be amazing. Um, you know, you saw flashes uh, whenever he was playing at Montverde. Uh, not so much his uh, senior year because, you know, that was his show. Like, that was his time to go out there and try to drop 40 every night. But when he was playing more of a role in, like, his sophomore and junior years, you saw legit flashes of a guy that, like, locks in on defensive end. And I think that, you know, as he comes in, uh, you know, to the Thunder system, we know how much Coach D, uh, you know, relies on defense, you know, and how much he wants you to play defense to get out there. Shout out Trey Mann once again. Um, so I think that, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of tools that can, you know, kind of get you out there on defense. The shooting, obviously, Taylor may fit. And I think that teams might take a look at the A.J. Griffin situation last year and about how many teams were, like, so shaky on him just because, yeah, he was injured throughout the season. He doesn't have the same athleticism going into high school career, but he's still a really productive player. He's still a guy that can come in and space the floor, fill it up in a hurry, knock down like four or five threes, you know, in a game. And I think that Dariq Whitehead is a guy that kind of feels that archetype. I think that that would be an interesting pick at pick 12. And I would be fascinated by what he would develop into in the NBA, no matter where he goes in this draft. Now Mm -hmm. to tie this together, the Thunder do have pick 37 and pick 50. Mm. Do you have any second round draft crushes? Because mine is Kobe Brown out of Missouri. If the Thunder, I told Clemente Almanza this, if the Thunder get get Kobe Brown out of Missouri in the second round, I I will have to excuse myself from Thunder Ion. I'll be <laughs> screaming uh, ha- of, of happiness if they were to get Kobe Brown. Yeah, no, I, I really like Kobe Brown. You know, as you said, I'm a Kentucky fan. So Kobe Brown gave us buckets, about about 30 of them um, in Rep Arena. So shout out Kobe Brown. I really like what he can give, you know, his size and, you know, kind of what he was able to do with basketball in his hands, you know, kind of as more of like an on-ball role this year. It was really impressive at Missouri. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions about, you know, the shooting jump and how suspect that is, but, I mean, it, it looked pretty legit in Rep Arena. So um, I like it as a swing, but – in terms of guys that I really like, um, you know, obviously uh, Brandon Podzimski, uh, you know, it's it's kind of juries out. Like he was a big winner of the combine, but, you know, talking to some of the guys that are kind of around the scouting game, uh, apparently teams aren't 100% sold on. They don't really know what to do with him. So maybe he might still be there early second round. And I think that, you know, if you go like with one of those big forwards or even if you go with like a, a wing like Kulabali, I think that bringing in a guard, you know, slash wing type like Pods, uh, also, you know, a, a guy that Jalen Williams helped recruit to Santa Clara, you know, good for team chemistry as well. But I think his shooting, like for one, his shot chart, like, you know, shout out to No Ceilings. You know, I know you had record on uh, last week. Uh, you know, they had the uh, the uh, the shot charts from Synergy up. Like his is just all red, like 100% all red. Like it's ridiculous. And the the athleticism and his passing, he's got some of the best passing in the class. Like, I would love him. And then uh, Julian Strother is a guy that like, there's a lot of mixed opinions on, and you know I, I've seen some people have him wait first, and I've seen that some people have him like wait second round. I think that if you can get him at 37 or 50, he's the guy that I would love to have just because his shooting, man, like he was one of the best shooters in the class at his size as a wing, you know, six foot six, six foot seven. Has experience playing alongside Chet Holmgren, so you know make make our guy Chet a little bit more comfortable in, in turn, making Julian more comfortable. Um, you know, I mean, his again, like you know, just. His ability to space the floor, his size and his position would be extremely, uh, extremely coveted. And, you know, 
his familiarity with Chet you know, on knowing where they're going to be offensively, where they're going to be defensively. Uh, I, I think that, you know, that could kind of be a sleeper pick. And I, I really don't see why teams are overlooking a guy with his shooting caliber. Yeah, Brandon is an interesting case. I mean, I've heard from a source very close to the situation that mm-hmm. uh, he got great feedback and teams are going to take him in the 20s. But then you, you see mock drafts and they haven't really caught up to that yet. So where is mm-hmm. where is he at? Who, who really knows? We'll see as this progresses, as this goes forward. Uh, Mike Miles is another name that's really interesting, I think, for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Jordan Walsh, really interesting for the Thunder as well as, as that Arkansas pipeline continues to uh, uh, develop on down the line. Uh, speaking of your Kentucky fandom earlier, though, Oh man, what, what's the what's the rap on Oscar Tashiwa? See, man, I I love Oscar to death. I mean, you know, obviously national player of the year two years ago. Uh, you know, a million dollar smile. Like he was a fan favorite for years. He's just so one dimensional, um, really offensively and defensively. Like you know, he's one of the best rebounding prospects we've probably seen in the past decade. And like you know, if this was ten years ago, he, we're talking about him as a top five pick. Um, but he's just a throwback big man. Like, you know, he's, he's got a post game. He cleans up around the basket better than anybody else, but gets lost in the pick and roll. Doesn't give you a lot offensively if he doesn't have his back to the basket. I know that he's working on, you know, adding a little bit of a mid range, maybe, maybe even a corner three. And I just don't know how much I trust that because like his touch was kind of suspect in college. Uh, but in terms of like effort and, you know, just like team chemistry and a guy to bring in, like to establish culture, like on your team, not even establish culture, but like a guy that's good for your culture on your team. Like, I mean, Oscar Shebway, like I can't say enough good things about him, but I've seen some people like, you know, the Thunder should get him. You know, he's a big guy. They play alongside Chet Holmgren. You know, we need rebound and we need physicality. Like guys, no, like I love Oscar Shebway. Just, just no. Try to tell y'all about Olivia SR, but y'all don't listen, but no, just no. And uh, hopefully Olivier Sarr's brother it will be joining Oklahoma City in a couple of years. Yeah. But, uh, that's that's another draft pod. That's that's going to be our next draft pod. We're going to be talking about Olivier Sarr's brother, but and Cody uh, Williams, yeah, yeah, and Cody Williams. Let's just get all the brothers in Oklahoma City uh, pronto because they are great, just as their their brothers are uh, older brothers. Yeah, Tshibway rebounding is the easiest trait to translate to the NBA, but that's pretty much all he has in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I, I don't I don't love the the fit. Pick 50 with three two-way deals, who cares? But, like, yeah. I just in general, uh, even if he's on the Thunder, I wouldn't expect him to play a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. and make a huge impact. Uh, I think that Olivier Sar's role on that two-way deal would really mirror what, what Tashiwe could bring to the to an NBA team where he might look good for a 10-minute stretch here and there, and you're clamoring for, like, why isn't he playing more? And then you do play him more, and then you re- realize why he's not playing more in the NBA. So, yeah. and kind honestly, of a tweener. I would, I would rather have Sar like, on yeah. the Thunder minutes than Shibway. Like, and Shibway is a 100% better player than Sar, but Sar is not a throwback big. Like, he will space the floor. He will go get lobs. Like, yeah, I would, I'd rather have Sar. And he's very fun to watch uh, with the blue. And so, as somebody who watches mm-hmm. all the blue home games, that's a very uh, – very interesting to me. I, I care about that a lot uh, to entertain mm-hmm. me at these games, uh, especially on double hair days, whenever you're there for like 12 hours. But <laughs> Thunder Chats, thank you for joining us. What's going on in your world? I don't want to spoil anything, but you do have a massive episode coming up, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, uh, I mean, man, we just had, I think, 18 uh, draft scouts from different avenues kind of around the internet, and uh, you know, from like draft Twitter to like, you know, actually established draft sites. And, you know, obviously all the no ceilings guys. We have had Matt Babcock. We've had Mav draft on. Like we've had, we've had a lot of draft guys on. You know, just kind of getting the full gamut of you know the draft cycle. And we're about to shift into 
just straight. I mean, you know, these have been Thunder perspectives, but a lot of times when you ask about a guy, you know, they just kind of talk about, you know, how they are as a prospect. But we're about to shift into full on just Thunder mode. Like we're bringing in a couple people to kind of uh, uh, represent Thunder Twitter. We're bringing in a few different Thunder podcasts. And then we are wrapping it all up with, once again, our Thunder Roundtable. This will be our third year doing it with Andrew Select down to Duncan the Athletic, Brandon Rabar of Daily Thunder, and of course, Ryan Styles of Locked on Thunder. And, you know, it's one of our biggest episodes of the year. You guys crush it every time. It's one of the most fun episodes that we do every year where we just kind of like our final thoughts on the draft, who we want, predictions, why this guy sucks. Like it's it's just a great time. So uh, definitely stay tuned to that on the Top Thunder podcast and uh, kind of check out our archive of, you know, the other draft uh, episodes that we've done because, uh, you know, there's no stone unturned when it comes to prospects in the Thunder range at that point. Go check it out, the Topic Thunder podcast, anywhere you get your podcast from. Thank you for checking out Locked on Thunder. Subscribe to both podcasts anywhere you get your podcast from. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 